Welcome to the HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com podcast. The opinions and ideas expressed on this show are solely those of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com and its guests. This is the very best of professional wrestling, both independent and mainstream. Once again, you already know what it is, and you already know where you have reached. October 19, 2018, this is the number one up-and-coming professional wrestling podcast in the New York City, Tri-State, East Coast, West Coast, and worldwide. This is the HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com podcast right here on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube, as well as right here on HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com. What up, though? I'm your host, Sean H., and we have another big-time show in store for you tonight. You guys ask for the best possible guest. You guys asked for the very best in the world of professional wrestling, both independent and mainstream, and your man Sean H. has most definitely delivered. But before we introduce you to this world championship guest, we got to make sure we let all the business owners out there know that you have to project yourself in the best possible light on the internet in order to get that business that you're looking for. And there's only one place to go to make sure your business pops and represents its best self on the internet, and that's through Hoshpreya.com. They are doing some revolutionary things. That team is amazing. They are revolutionizing the way people project themselves as far as web platforming and web development. Their portfolio is extraordinary. Go to Hoshpreya.com and check the list of who's who clients that this organization has worked with. Check them out. Make sure you do it. You will not regret it. Let them know that Sean H. sent you. Once again, that's Hoshpreya.com. H-A-A-S-C-R-E-A.com. Hoshpreya.com. Because we love tech. You know, we talk about major guests. We talk about guests that I've had on this show before. We talk about the House of Glory heavyweight champion of the world. Anthony Gangon. We talk about the Silver Queen, the GOAT's own Ivy Roman. We talk about superstars from MLW. We talk about superstars from NYC Wrestling. We talk about superstars from all over the world. I thank all my listeners for making this show what it is today. And we are doing really, really well because of you. And as a thank you to each and every one of you as we continue this new fall season of the HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com podcast, I have brought to you a guest of epic proportion. You're not hearing me. I said of epic proportion. She is going to grace us with her presence because let me tell you something. When you talk about greatness, you talk about a world champion that's been all over the world. You talk about a person that's been a world champion everywhere she's been. You talk about somebody who has revolutionized professional wrestling, both as a woman and as just a wrestler in general. general. You talk about somebody who not only, like I said, is a current, a current multiple organization world women's champion, but you talk about somebody who was represented as its champion, as its women's champion, one of the most coveted titles in the history of the industry, the NWA, yes, that NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, the National Wrestling Alliance that has had champions like the Nature Boy Ric Flair, that has had champions like the American Dream Dusty Rose, that has had women's champions like the Fabulous Moolah and Jazz, an organization that is currently on top of its game with a world champion by the name of Cody, a.k.a. Cody Rhodes. And this person on my show tonight, I'm so blessed to have her. She is a former NWA Women's World Champion. I can't stress it enough. This is a super lit show because she's here. She is the one and only. Please welcome the one and only Miss Casey Carlisle. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, and what a great introduction. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on this show, Casey. I mean, I 
I've followed your career for quite some time, and uh, it's truly a pleasure to have you. So let's jump right in, because you know I know that as I uh, promoted the uh, show on Twitter, that um, I got a lot of inbox questions or DM questions for you, and I want to make sure that I get to the fans as far as what they want to ask you. But it's truly a cool thing when you have somebody of your stature on the show, not just because you're super dope at what you do, but also because of the history that you've uh, been through in the industry. So with that being said, the very first thing I want to get into is how you got into the business. I know that, um, you know, you've been a fan of the sensational Sherry as a, as a child and, you know, you were trained by Shorty Smalls but, and, and basically as a manager at first. It took you a little while to, to make your debut as a wrestler. But how did it all get started uh, for the uh, NWA Women's Champ or the former NWA Women's Champ? Um, well, like you said, I, I grew up watching wrestling. I fell in love with it pretty much immediately. Um, my sister actually got me involved in it and kind of interested in it because she was watching it. Um, so she called me into the room to watch it with her, and and I did. And I was immediately mesmerized by it and kind of fell in love with the physical theater and physical drama that you know I saw. Uh, unfolding before my eyes and that was back in the late 80s and so it the wrestling business was much different in the fact that it was very character driven there was a very hard solid line of good guys and bad guys it, it didn't have the blurred lines that it does today um, so it was really easy to jump on board with the you know the characters and the drama that they created and the stories that were unfolding um, you know, my sister grew out of it like two weeks later and was too old for it and too <laughs> right. cool for it. But uh, needless to say, that never happened to me. And I always, you know, I kind of knew early on that I loved it and it's what I wanted to do and uh, kind of told anybody who would listen that I would. And I never let go of it and I never got away from it. Um, you know, my obsession with it just kind of deepened as I got older. And eventually, if you fast forward to 1997... Um, I attended a local indie show, and the, as you said, Shorty Smalls, who was my trainer, um, was he, he was at the show. He wasn't wrestling because he was hurt, but mm -hmm. we got to talking, and he learned of my love for wrestling and my desire to want to be involved with it, and apparently he, uh, you know, had ties to a school that wasn't terribly far away, and long story short, you know, he put out the offer for for me to come down and check it out. And eventually he ended up going on to train me. Um, like you said, you know, I started as a manager and my first appearance, my first ever show was in June of 1998 nice. as a manager. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so for anybody who's followed my career, they know that my first match didn't take place until 2005. So I had a lot of years, um, you know, working outside the ring as the manager, but uh, you know, I was training the entire time and learning the entire time, and that's basically how I got started and how I broke in. Well, if if you would allow me, I'd like to make a comparison because, you know, sometimes, you know, female managers, obviously, uh, if you have a love for the business, which there's no doubt that you do, can transition into the ring. And one major uh, industry player uh, that um, comes to mind is Trish Stratus. She started off as a manager and then eventually transitioned into a Hall of Fame in ring mm -hmm. competitor. I think that I think you're of the same elk honestly. But my question to you is were you yeah. always in the mindset of being a wrestler because you did mention it was a 7-year run of being a manager before you made your debut. Was that kind of like the plan the entire time or did you kind of evolve into your uh love of in ring action? Honestly, it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of a hybrid. Um because when I was growing up and, and I was, you know, a kid and the big, 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 huge fan that I was, I was, I was attracted to both aspects of it. You know, that's when Miss Elizabeth was still very much a, a big deal alongside of Randy Savage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anybody who knows their wrestling history knows that at that point in time, she had a very, very limited role physically, right. um, you know, but then at the same time, I was also a fan of Sherry Martell and, um, you know, of Medusa, like the girls who were active in the ring at that time, Luna Vachon and Leilani Kai and, uh, you know, Judy Martin. And so I was a fan of both people who were managers 
people who were wrestlers and of course the men. Um, so I, I was into both aspects of it. So it was easier to break into the business as a manager. Um, not that it should be, but it was, and mm-hmm. it is. So I started there and I was perfectly happy with it. And like I said, I learned a, a lot, you know, people don't realize how much you learn by being on the outside of the ring and being able to observe things and, and listen and absorb stuff. Um, but my goal also was to wrestle. I wasn't content just doing one or the other. So even though I started as a manager and that was great and that was one of my goals, it wasn't my only goal. So I was definitely looking to make the transition and kind of get my hands into as many roles as I could. Well, you definitely made a, a strong transition. Obviously, uh, you're one of the best in the world. So uh, there's no Thank question you. that you're doing your thing. Um, so as you stated, um, you know, I did, I did a little research. And as you stated and confirmed, you, you made your debut on uh, July 30th, I believe it was, 2005 against mm-hmm. a wrestler by the name of Chrissy Kane in an organization called World Extreme Wrestling. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it was Chrissy Vane. Chrissy um, Vane, I apologize. Okay. No, it, that's fine. That's right. fine. Yeah, but it, it was Chrissy Vane, and you're right. It was July 30th, 2005. Um, it was it was actually a joint show between uh, WXW, which was being run and promoted by Pops, who is off of the Wild Samoan, um, and a company that I still wrestle for today called VCW, which is Vanguard Championship Wrestling. Um, it was a, a joint show between the two. Um, I think that Pops had a, kind of a higher billing, if you would. I think most people looked at it more as the WXW show, but they were both involved. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that was my first ever match. Got you. I mean, that I mean that was kind of like you know the beginning of you know a new era in wrestling for you as it pertains to. You. I mean, obviously it's a debut, so obviously it's a transition that goes without saying. But not just a debut, but, you know, you were literally off to the races at that point. Um, I like to make a lot of WWE comparisons. Obviously, that's always going to happen because um, it's the biggest company in the world. But, you know, the John Cena-Kurt Angle match that everybody remembers from SmackDown, it's like Mm -hmm. a launching pad for you. Because not too much longer after that, I believe it was 06, you wrestled in what I believe WXW called the Elite Eight Tournament. And you went all the way to the finals. You were unsuccessful in the finals against Mercedes Martinez, from my understanding. But a run all the way to the finals. And, I mean, talk about making a name for yourself. Do you remember that tournament? Oh, I remember it extremely well, yeah. Um, You're right. It was 2006. And so I only had... And, you know, at that point in time, um, once I wrestled my first match, it the, the transition for me to go from managing to wrestling... Um, as far as like a full-time basis didn't take very long. It was, you know, I was still kind of doing both and I was still managing, but it really didn't take long for me to move over to wrestling full-time, um, and get away from the managing. So when that tournament rolled around, if I'm remembering correctly, I want to say it was in the fall of, um, of 2006. So I had only been wrestling Mm -hmm. for a year. Right as far as in-ring, active in-ring. And over the course of that year, I didn't have, you know, it wasn't like like it is these days where I'm booked every weekend and wrestling multiple times a week. I, I didn't have um, a match every week at that point. So I, I can't give you an accurate number, but I didn't have a ton of matches under my belt. So going into that tournament, um, you know, that was a very big deal. And it was a, really a list of the who's who for women's, independent wrestling at that time in in the area here on the east coast Mm -hmm. Uh, so not only was i completely honored to be part of it but you know it was intimidating and and i was hoping that i could live up to uh pops's expectations and the history and the level of expectation with being part of that tournament you know and the high level of talent that was involved in the tournament um and needless to say, like you said, you know, I ended up going to the finals against Mercedes, who was then and is still today, you know, just absolutely amazing in the ring. So it was definitely a, um, something that stuck out to me at that point in time, but I remember it so vividly because of that, too. You know, Casey, I look I look at tournaments in a, in a very strong light as it pertains to pro wrestling. I've been a fan my entire life, um, and... You know, tournaments have always stood out to me as being 
the, the be-all and end-all as it pertains to proving yourself. You know, the one-night format or even if it's a multiple-night format, whatever the case may be, winning a tournament, mm-hmm. being in the finals of a tournament, what, whatever the case may be, is like a proving ground. Randy Savage had a, you know, obviously we know that WrestleMania three he broke out against um, against Ricky the Jack and Steamboat, but the tournament at WrestleMania four made him a household name. Uh, it's the same type. The King of the Ring tournament makes people household names, even though it's now defunct. But you know, but Bye. this tournament really puts you on the map. I mean, we're talking about a woman, and when I say a woman, I mean you, who has won dozens literally dozens of championships and that tournament the elite eight tournament in 2006 i mean it was your launching pad would you agree you know i yeah i would definitely say you're onto something with that i think it was definitely at that point in time one of the most high profile um not just match but matches due to the fact that it was a tournament um you know it was yeah that was kind of not that it's not now but it was a big deal and and as I said, it was something, you know, to be said for me being included in the tournament with the women that were really going strong and, and had a lot more experience over me at that point in time. Um, I would absolutely agree with that. It was, you know, not only a great experience as far as getting in the ring with those women and the, you know, that was the first time I had ever had to wrestle multiple matches in one night. Um, you know, so there was a lot of firsts for me when it comes to talking about that tournament, but it was definitely, uh, one of the earliest kind of, you know, places of exposure for me. And one of the things that helped kind of start spreading my name around. I can tell just by talking to you, and this is our first time speaking, um, you know, ear to ear, but I can tell you're a very humble person, but you know, if you could just step out of that humility for one second, I know it might be (laughs) difficult. Listen, you know. To be basically a rookie at, at that stage in your career, and I know I'm focusing a lot on this tournament, but I really feel like it's a major thing to talk about, especially with everything that's going on now. You know, we're, we're talking about 12 years later, and the May Young Classic is now a household name. You know, the, the women are doing bigger and better things than they ever had in the industry. And to all my listeners out there, I'm, I'm talking to a legend. She probably wouldn't say that. She wouldn't say that, but I would. I mean, I wouldn't at all. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you wouldn't, but I would. And, and the reason why is because, I mean, from 06 until now, you, you've pretty much become a household name. And that's very, very difficult on the independent circuit. We know that some of the greatest wrestlers in the world, wrestlers that can out wrestle anybody on the WWE roster, are right now wrestling in front of 55 people in a gym, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they're the best in the world. And you've wrestled in front of hundreds, you've wrestled in front of thousands, and, and the work and the quality of work continues to be the same. I mean, tell the people about, I mean, just the consistency. Well, thank you, first of all, for, for saying that. Um, yeah, you know, for me personally, it as you said, the the crowds, you know, the independent scene is so entirely incredibly different than um, WWE. You know, it, it's 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 the same thing, but at the same time, it's a completely different thing. It, it's the same business, but at the same time, it's you know, the indies are an entity all to themselves, and in a way that the WWE isn't. Right. Um, and I think that fans who follow both might be able to understand what I mean by that. I'm talking about when it comes to, you know, the the variety of talent you see, the crowd size, the crowd interaction. Right. And not just the crowd interacting with the wrestlers. You know, we as independent wrestlers have the opportunity to interact on a far more intimate and direct level with the fans um, than you have up in New York. And, you know, to me personally, the way I approach it, um, as you said, I've wrestled in front of thousands of people. I have wrestled, I'm not kidding and I'm not exaggerating, I've wrestled in front of five people. Right. And I will tell you for a fact that three of them were relatives of one of the wrestlers in the back. Wow. (laughs) Um, Right. You know, but... To me, it, it doesn't matter if it's five people or a hundred or a thousand. You know, those people are still choosing to take time out of their life to attend an event that you're part of. And hopefully the fact that you're a part of it is one of the reasons that they're there, that you've drawn them to that event. Um, you know, they're choosing to spend part of their life where they could be doing anything else. 
they're spending their hard-earned money, which could be put towards something else, right. to buy a ticket, you know, maybe even buy your merchandise or something like that. Um, so, you know, to me, there's there's no how hard am I going to go? Am I going to give 100% or not? Um, am I going to work as hard tonight in front of these five people as I did last night in front of, you know, a thousand? Right. Because those fans deserve to have you at your absolute best that you can give that night and to, you know, get the full you. And I think not only are you jipping the fans, um, if you don't give it your all every single time, but I think you're jipping yourself too, because you're not showing people everything that you have to offer. You know, why would you want to dull down yourself? Um, especially in this day and age with videos and sharing and social media and, you know, it, it doesn't, you really have an audience of millions if you stop and think about the social media and the internet reach. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, to me, that approach and that mentality is just ridiculous um, and is a bit insulting to not just the fans, but to everybody else in the business who bust their ass and would give anything to have a booking or something. 100%. You know, it's just the way it should be. 100%. I agree with you totally. I mean, and, and your, your candor is, is so appreciated. Um. Well, let's move forward a little bit because I want to talk to you about something that I feel is a turning point in your career. Um, you're, 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 you're skyrocketing, like I said, after 06. You're, going, you're at this point on the road for years and doing your thing. And then you make the decision to be a part of, I guess you would call it the uh, TNA equivalent of Tough Enough. It was called TNA Gut Check. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was uh, the TNA Impact. Uh, I don't know if it was. It wasn't called Impact at the time, but TNA. No, it was TNA. Right, it was TNA, and it was it was it was a recruitment uh, program, and it led to you not earning a contract. Now, we all hear about again, not to make you blush or anything. We all hear about Michael Jordan getting cut from his high school basketball team, right? But at the end of the day, he went on to be one of the best ever. Now, you tried out for TNA. You were unsuccessful. Tell us about your mindset as it pertained to that obvious disappointment that led to your rededication to the industry, which led to numerous world championships and what we're going to talk about very soon, which is one of the most prestigious titles in the world, the NWA championship. Um, Well, you know, for me, the gut check experience was um, it, it was all positive, you know, even if the contract didn't come out of it or I didn't get signed. Mm hmm. Um, you know, and, and I was not, they, there were kind of two different forms of gut check, if you would, um, kind of, sort of, you know, there was the one that people saw on television where they would have somebody, you know, come in and participate in the televised gut check challenge. Right. Um, you know, but then there was also the gut checks that were taking place, uh, at their live events and so forth. And, and that's what I took part in. Um, you know, the entire experience for me was nothing but positive and nothing but a learning experience. Um, you know, it was a small group of people, which I appreciate because I think that, that gives you a higher quality of um, learning and training and feedback instead of getting kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, so there was just a small handful of us. And, you know, we got in there. Um, the clinic was being run by D'Lo Brown, who is one of the most underrated wrestling minds that there is and is also a great talent in the ring. Um, you know, so we were there and, and running many matches and, and D'Lo was watching and, and giving his feedback and, um, you know, to, to hear his feedback and get that other perspective from somebody who's been there, done that, who has been at the place you're trying to go or at a level that you want to be at you know, that in itself is invaluable, no matter who it's coming from, whether it's him or somebody else. Um, you know, and then we, we were cutting promos with Jeremy Borash and feedback on that. So no matter what the final outcome was as far as contract versus no contract, it was it was a growing and learning experience. And you can't ever be mad at that. And, you, you know, you have to take it as a growing and learning experience. Like, I came out of there... You know, I don't care how many years you've been working. I don't care how many, you know, matches you've had or titles or anything. You have to walk away from things like that having learned something. Otherwise, uh, you know, what's the point? Um, And I did. So, yes, it was disappointing. You know, would I love to have a contract somewhere? Of course. Do I still have that desire? Of course. 
um, you know, I would I would love for that opportunity to be presented to me, and maybe there's still time, and one day it will be. But um, you know, you just you take it for what you can get out of it, and that's just how life goes in any aspect. Pro wrestling is no different, and you know, you you just have to kind of take it and and use it as clay and then mold what you want it to be for yourself and for your career and your own goals. And that's kind of what I did. 100%. There's no doubt. And, you know, with that experience, like I said, you, you use that as motivation. And like you, and I like the way you put that. You basically talked about the positive outcome that came from what most people would call a negative experience, but you took the, the good that you learned and, 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 it paved the way for what has been a stellar and continues to be a stellar career. I mean, my goodness. Uh, let's talk about the NWA as a whole because, you know, the NWA is one of the most prestigious organizations in the history of, of professional wrestling. Um, Cody, Cody just won. Uh, I call him Cody Rhodes, but I guess he's only allowed to call himself Cody. Just recently won the uh, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. That's, I mean, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's the belt that Ric Flair wore. That that's the, that's the real deal. Uh, I know this is the title been, his father wore. That's right, one hundred percent. Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, was the NWA World Champion. And that's the same belt he wore, one hundred percent. Which, by the way, made an All In was an amazing event, and, and that him winning the title was awesome. But I don't want to, I don't want to go off track. But that was it was something really special to see. Mm-hmm. But in speaking about that, October twentieth. 2012 should be a, a big a big day in your mind because uh you know Tasha Simone was your opponent you stood across the ring from her and uh my goodness you became the NWA Women's World Heavyweight excuse me World's Champion pardon me in one of the most epic matches ever and obviously something I would consider to be one of your biggest accomplishments I'm sure you you value every one of your titles but we're talking about the NWA Championship Please tell us about how that match came together and tell us about how, I guess, essentially you became uh, part of the lineage of the NWA. Um, yeah, I when when I learned that I was going to receive the title shot, that in itself to me was thrilling because, as you said, it's the freaking NWA, you know, and especially for me, you know, it's no secret. I grew up in the 80s. Um, you know, I started watching wrestling uh, when I was this little eight-year-old girl in 1988, so everyone can do the math. <laughs> um, you know, I'm 38. I don't care. I'm 38. Um, you know, but we're talking about the heyday. You know, you, you, you mentioned only, Ric Flair. You only, got me by, about... you only got me by about six years, so don't worry. Trust me, I'm quickly, approaching, <laughs> I'm quickly approaching that plateau, and you got a long way to go, my friend. Thank you for using the word only, because six years is nothing. But I'm going to go with it, and I'm going to say, heck yes. There you, you. go. <laughs> um, you know, so I grew up during during that time. I grew up when the NWA, it was, you had three bigs. You had the NWA, you had the, what was then the WWF, and you had the AWA. And for me to find out that I was getting a shot at the title... I was I was just thrilled because my mind immediately went to that's that that's history. Right. And that means, you know, it it means something anyway, regardless of what people know of history or don't know. That doesn't erase the history from existing. You know, facts are facts. History is history. And if people haven't educated themselves on it, it doesn't negate the history that's there. Exactly. Um, you know, and if they don't have an appreciation, it doesn't negate the history. It just means they don't appreciate it. I appreciated it. I still do appreciate it. When I found out I was going to have a shot at the world title, I I was in shock. Um, I was flattered. I was humbled. And I had a very overwhelming sense of, you know what? Like, no matter what happens, no matter how it goes down, like that's something that's very cool and that's going to stay with me. And that's something that, you know, not everybody is going to have the opportunity. Like people growing up today who only know WWE, you know, how many of those fans are going to have the chance to say that in later years they had a shot at fill in the blank WWE title? Exactly. The odds are, it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, so for me to even have a shot at it was just 
ridiculous to actually win the title, I can honestly say that that is one time when I made it a point. Um, and, and I know that there's clips of the match floating around on YouTube. I don't know if the full match is available anywhere. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. If it is, I'd love to see it because honestly, I've never seen it. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. I've never seen the match in, in, in its entirety. I've just seen clips. I've seen I've right. seen clips, but if I find it, I'll definitely pass it along. Thank you. I, I don't. I honestly don't know if it exists, right. but uh, that's a whole nother a whole nother topic. Right. Um, you know, that was I can honestly say one of the few times in my career that I have made it a point to take a moment when after the bell rings and absorb what the ring announcer is saying absorb the announcement of me being the winner and the new champion. And as you said, every single title I hold means something to me. I respect the title. I respect the company that wants to put their title on me. Um, You know, I honor the title. The NWA title, you know, I think everyone would understand why that will forever be near and dear to my heart and a highlight of my career. No matter what else happens, it, it will be forever. Because of the company and what it is. Um, And, you know, to hear the announcement and have that moment, um, you know, the moment that got squashed a little bit in the post-match brouhaha that went down, Mm. um, which, you know, is whatever. It's fine. It is what it is. And by the way, uh, much respect to you with handling that with the class that you handled it with. Thank you. Um, But, you know, it, it was an honor. It was a very humbling honor. And, you know, at that point in time, not, not to ramble on too long about no, it, no, but please talk about it. Um, you know, we're talking about that was in 2012 mm-hmm. and there was a lot of change and a lot of transition happening with, with the NWA at that time. It was not you know, people who might be new wrestling fans or who blanked out on the NWA for a bit and are now waking back up thanks to uh, the greatness that's happening with the company these days. Mm-hmm. You know, 2012, it was a very tumultuous time for the company. And, you know, there was a lot of kind of, there were highs and there were lows. And, you know, there are many things I wish could have gone down differently and could be different, a lot of things. But as I was saying before, none of that's going to erase the fact that my name is now going to show up on that list alongside the likes of Mildred Burke and the fabulous Mola, you know, and June Byers. And it's just on and on. And I am so freaking humbled and honored to be part of that list to begin with. Um, you know, it, it, it I, I could ramble on for a while, but it really, it really was a highlight of my career. It will forever be a highlight of my career. And, you know, the NWA is doing so well right now. For anybody who's not paying attention to it, they're missing out. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of great things happening. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the future of the company. Uh, I'll venture to say I'm excited for the future of the women's title. I think that, you know. There's a lot of good happening, and you never know what could happen. But either way, that women's title is a gem. And, you know, you have an awesome champion right now in jazz. I've had the pleasure of sharing the ring with her before. Um, You know, she's awesome. She's still going strong. She's amazing. Everyone's going to get to see that um, at the 70th anniversary show in Nashville they have coming up. Nice. So, you know, yeah, it's just that... That title will forever be very near and dear to my heart. Well, I, I got to say this. And I'm going to give you a little bit of math, Casey, because I, I don't know if you, you – I know you have researched the title, but I've researched the title in depth in preparation uh, for this interview. And when you take out – you know, I say this respectfully – take out Fabulous Mueller, Fabulous Mueller's reign, which is historic, 11,000 days that will never be approached, Demi Combs' reign of over 3,000 days. But listen, you have – Literally, in the modern era, the fifth longest title reign in the history of the NWA. I mean, you were far... I mean, you talk about transitional champions. That certainly was not you. You held that prestigious piece of gold for 462 days. That's huge. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. No thank doubt. you very much. 100%. 100%. So you held that title all the way up until the new year of 2014, over a year reign. Like I said, over a 460-day reign as, as the world champion. Um, you know, you ended up becoming, I did a little research, but I'm, it's a little gray. I'm going to need you to fill me in. On October 24th of 2014, you became the queen of wrestling. Do I have that correct? Well, you know, if you ask me, I've been the queen of wrestling since I stepped into ah, the ring. I love but... it. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we're going with that, I think what you're probably referring to is um, I believe that's the night that I won the Queen of Valkyrie title in Brooklyn. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, so the the, the uh, Valkyrie was an all-female, all-women's promotion based in New York, mm-hmm. uh, the New York and New Jersey area, and their title, um, it wasn't, de- you know, it wasn't referred to as a women's title because it was an all-women's promotion. So the title is referred to as the Queen of Valkyrie title, which unbeknownst to most people believe it or not is still considered an active title i just defended it um a couple of months ago and um you know it's still in my possession it's sitting in my living room as we speak so yeah that that was the queen of valkyrie title that i won that night so that's probably what you're referring to absolutely i mean your list of accomplishments is, is is endless i mean you're truly doing the dc area and the virginia area very proud right now um you know, those that's I understand you grew up in the DC area, is that correct? I grew up in the area here, okay. yes. Got you. So, you know, you're definitely doing your hometown proud and you're doing women's wrestling proud. Um, I mean, Ad- Adrenaline Championship Wrestling, a two time ring, Bruiser Wrestling Federation three times. I'm not going to go all the way down the list because it would take me forever. Lucha Pride of Pro Wrestling, you were not only a one time champion, but the inaugural champion of that organization. You obviously so- were the. NWA champion, Pro Wrestling Illustrated number seven wrestler in in, in the world in 2013. I mean, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, they're um, and, and I, where are you getting air from? I'm just curious because some of it needs to be updated. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I I, I actually um, I, I made some phone calls in preparation for this interview. Um, you know, I, and obviously I just did some research. I actually still <laughs> I still have pro wrestling illustrated i still look up certain things i'm an internet junkie i like to make sure i'm prepared you know what i mean well it's appreciated believe me yeah it's um the only reason i'm saying that i'm, I'm, I'm actually busting your chops a little bit because oh, okay. i've been a title i've held like seven times <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's okay. because it goes back and forth so often but yeah no i appreciate it absolutely got you got you well listen I, i'm not i i want to talk to you more about your your, your career up to date I, I know that you're all over the world like i said your accomplishments are too long to name you're actually a champion of multiple organizations as we speak so can you please update us on what's going on in the last, I'd say, year or so? Because the fans want to know what your 2018 has looked like this far. Oh, boy. Well, um, I mean, I guess the synopsis doesn't sound all that exciting. You know, I, I'm still going strong. I'm still extremely busy um, traveling, you know, as frequently as I can to as many places as I can. Right. Um. I, I have a little bit of a, you know, some people think I'm a little not all there because of the travel schedule I give myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm I. It's not uncommon for me to put myself in the car, like, you know, for eight to ten hours or so in between bookings or wow. something like that. Wow. Um, you know. It, to me, what it boils down to is after all these years, I still just want to work as much as I can, and I want to work as, as often as I can in as many places as I can. Um, and, you know, this year, 2018 thus far has, has been good to me in the sense that I've been able to stay very busy. Um, you know, I'm in the ring just about every weekend, um, you know, usually two or three times a week. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to debut in new companies. Um, one of those companies is the WCWC out in Portland that has the local, um, TV out there, you know, so I'm now doing TV for them out in Oregon, um, you know, which is a great experience and opens me up to the other side of the country, which I always, 
I, I've been out there before, but yeah. you know, to be able to go out there regularly and so forth. That's huge. Um, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun for me. It's exciting for me, especially you know, I, again, due to social media and the internet. You know, I have fans not only all over the country but all over the world, and so to be able to travel to areas where. You know, I know that fans of mine are in that area and now they have the opportunity to come see me live. It's such a different experience to, you know, to see wrestling live and in person versus watching it online. It is. Not that it's bad it to watch online. It's, right. it's great. But to be in person is so different. And so I'm, I feel incredibly fortunate and lucky to have the ability and the opportunities to, you know, not just stay... Um, in my immediate area around where I live, you know, I get to travel to so many different parts of the country to so many different companies and it not only provides me the opportunity to mix it up as far as who I'm wrestling, the crowd I'm in front of, what type of crowd are you, you know, uh, different scenarios, but it gives the fans in other areas the opportunity to come out and see me and meet me as well. And um, you know, it's it's just been great. So hopefully the rest of 2018 will continue to follow suit. I'll be hopefully debuting in, in some new companies. Um, of course, it's already October. So looking forward to 2019. Yes. That's my goal, you know, to stay healthy, to be as busy as I possibly can be. How many new ponds can Casey dip her toe into? Um, you know, how many titles can I win and and how close to Ultimo Dragon can I get as far as... The there you go. Photo. I know what you're talking about. I like it. I like it. You know, everyone loves the photo of me that, that has the titles. And, and it's like, I love it too. I just need a few more to reach that pinnacle of greatness. I, po um, I posted that picture. I retweeted that picture. That picture is awesome. I saw. I think I retweeted yeah, it when you did. So Thank dope. You. So dope. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying, you know... I, I try to stay true to myself as far as I am what I am. You know, I, I'm I'm not somebody who you look at me and I think it's clear I'm an old school, you know, kind of all business, just nasty, brawling heel. Yeah. You know, and I think it's pretty clear I, I'm not super flashy. You know, I'm not over the top spotty i i'm not you know you're not going to see all of the flips and, and everything and everything you're going to see people get punched in the face you're going to see people get kicked in the face um you know <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes harder than my opponent would like oh but, man okay okay you know um but that's you know who you are in my opinion you know who you are and this is just coming from a journalistic and, and fan perspective, you're Arn Anderson. That's who you are. That's what I see. I see no nonsense. Yeah. I see I see old school. I see wrestling. I, I don't see entertainment. I see wrestling and I see entertainment sprinkled in. But I see you as being the real deal. And like I said, Arn Anderson, he's a Hall of Famer. So there you go. Well, that to describe me that way is honestly for me one of the best compliments you can give me you know when people compare me to sherry the comparison to arn you just gave me when people say you know what casey you're just an old school wrestler you know it's you're not the pomp and circumstance or the entertainment i'm entertaining i'd like to think sure uh, but i'm you know i'm there for a reason i'm there to get the job done i'm there to win the match i'm there to be a wrestler um you know, I, I didn't sign up for gymnastics school. I didn't sign up for acrobatic school. I didn't sign up for, you know, whatever, for Cirque du Soleil. I went to pro wrestling school. And, um, you know, I have no problem being the one in there who's willing to just keep it old school and be scrappy and do whatever it takes to, you know, be aggressive and get the outcome that I want. And that's what people get. So hopefully... Over the course of the rest of this year and going into 2019, you know, it's just going to kind of keep on keeping on. Well, in this era, I'll say this. First, well, first of all, let me let me start with my first thought, which is whenever you come to the New York tri-state area, please let me know in advance of you coming, because I would love to be able to cover you, uh, to be able to cover you in person. 
I would do a full editorial about it. It would be an honor and a pleasure, just like doing the show is an honor and a pleasure. That's number one. And in no, and number two, and more importantly, uh, in an era uh, of divas, uh, you are you are pro wrestling. And in an era where the women's revolution is supposed to be up and running, but people who don't deserve it are getting main event slots that, you know, because they're total divas, I salute you for being a total wrestler. Thank you. 100%. Really, thank you very much. Honestly, thank you. 100%. That means a lot to me. That's that's the honest to God truth. I'm going to give all my fans out there a little bit of, uh, by the way, shout out to all my fans. I, I'm getting more love on Twitter than I ever have. And it's because of big time guests like Casey Carlisle and others that I've had on the show. But um, I'm going to give you guys a little bit behind the scenes. So as I was trying to get this interview together uh, with Casey, she's a very busy woman. And I, I understood that the entire time. My attitude had never gotten sour when it came to her. But I guess she was wondering if my attitude was getting sour. So she was like, I'm sorry, I haven't been able to get back in touch with you. And, I, and she said, I, I hope you still want to do the show. I said, are you kidding me? Of course I still want to do the show. <laughs> I felt very bad. I, I felt, I did. I was neglectful and, and I didn't mean to be. It's no. just things, you know, it was just, so I, yes, I'm very appreciative that you still wanted to interview me and you're having me on your show. Because honestly, I mean, you know, some people get salty and, and get their feathers ruffled. And, That's true. And I get that. I absolutely, because it happens to me, I can... You know, I'm a heel. I get in the bad mood. So, right, right. Um, no, but, you know, to me, it's like I appreciate you having the desire to have me on your show in the first place. It's just like a booking. You know, it's like, really, you want me to be part of, of your world and your creation? That's very humbling to me. So thank you. No. So, yeah, I appreciated it. And it did take a while, but here we are. <laughs> here, we, here we are. And, and, I, and I say all that to say this. Uh, when she said, do I, do I still want to do the show? The answer was a thousand times yes. When you have a chance, and again, this is not gassing you up. This is the real deal because um, we've talked off the air, so you know I'm not blowing smoke. Um, when you have a chance to interview a legend, you don't turn it down. It doesn't matter how long it takes. So I want to say thank you for your humility. I'm doing this on the air because I feel like the people need to know. I want to say thank you for your humility. Thank you for your kindness. You are a heel, 100%. But uh, unfortunately, I got to reveal to the world that you're a really nice person. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, sh- <laughs> <laughs> I gotta let it be known, but listen, I'm not gonna say too much because I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin we your need swag. Post production. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but listen, listen. Before I let you go, please, please, please let the world know where they can find you because the world wants to know where to find the multiple time champion on social media. Oh, well, okay. Um, if the world wants to find me, they can find me um, in two different places on Facebook. I have a profile page, which is facebook.com/slash Casey Carlisle. I have a um, a fan page or a like page, which is facebook.com slash Casey Carlisle fan page. Um, I am on Instagram at Casey Carlisle. I'm on Twitter at Casey Carlisle. I'm on YouTube at Casey Carlisle. And the hub of it all is my website, which I'm actually in the process of updating and it should be fully updated uh, within the next week, is CaseyCarlisle.com. Um, Basically, as long as people spell my name correctly and Google me, they're going to find me pretty easily. I'm, I'm all over social media. Um, and, you know, as busy as I am, I do try to be as interactive as possible with people as far as replying to messages, replying to comments, um, you know, sharing the information about my upcoming appearances, posting photos for matches, video if I can get my hands on the footage. So everyone's definitely encouraged and welcome to follow me in whatever social media realm they use and, you know, kind of keep up with me that way. And if they say hi, I'll do my best to say hi back. That's what's up. That's what's up. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the information. I'm sure the fans are definitely going to be uh, listening out and, and reaching out to you because uh, you are in high demand. But Speaking of high demand, one more thing before we let you go. Please let the world know any upcoming bookings you'd like them to be aware of. Oh, well, you know what? It's it's funny. I just recently released uh, a, a listing of my upcoming appearances. Okay. Um, so for those who are not yet following me on social media, they are um, on the 20th of October, which is Saturday night. I'll be making my debut for the NCWA, and that's the North Carolina Wrestling Association. 
Um, that's going to be the 20th at Clayton Fitness in Clayton, North Carolina. I'll be arrest- wrestling um, Elizabeth Jordan that night. On Saturday, October 27th, I will be in Mill Creek, West Virginia for Mid-Atlantic Pro Wrestling. I'm not sure who my opponent's going to be yet, but um, I'm going to be in Mill Creek. It's going to be at the high school there in Mill Creek on the 27th. On November 3rd, I'm going to be in Nottoway, Virginia for BWF, defending my title against Emma Lou, and that's going to be a first-time matchup. Uh, And then the following week, I'm back at BWF on Saturday, November 10th. That one is in Appomattox, Virginia. Uh, I know I'm wrestling Emma Lou again. I don't expect for it to be her title defense. I expect to, you know, retain on the third and go into the tenth, still the champion. But either way, there you go. uh, You know, we we have two matches two weeks in a row. So we're going to see how it plays out. Um. And then on uh, the 17th and 18th of November, I'm back out in Portland for the next round of uh, WCWC TV tapings. So any fans out in that area should mark their calendar, come attend the tapings, you know, be rambunctious, see some good wrestling, and get a chance to be on TV too. Well, you heard it here first. That's where you can find the multiple-time champion, Casey Carlisle. This is the October 19th episode, so when you're listening to this, that means you, as soon as you finish listening to this historic episode of the Hashtag HW Weekly Podcast, HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com, go straight over to Casey Carlisle's social media information and get tickets for her event starting tomorrow night. Again, this is October 19th. That means October 20th. You're seeking out the champ, wherever she may be. You heard all the listings right here exclusively on the HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com podcast. Casey Carla, I want to thank you very much. It's been an awesome show. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it, and I had a blast, and we'll have to do it again sometime. I look forward to it. There's no doubt we're going to make sure we do this again. So with that being said, to all my listeners listening right here on HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com, right here on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and on YouTube, we say thank you once again. You already know what it is. This is the HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com podcast. I'm your boy, Sean H. She is the multiple-time, multiple-organization world champ. Casey Carlisle, and we're going to talk to you next time. Peace. This has been a production of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com, home of the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly podcast. The very best in professional wrestling, both independent and mainstream. The ideas and content of this show are the exclusive property of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com. The opinions of its hosts and guests are theirs and theirs alone, as this show and website are not associated with any professional wrestling organization.